It's time for another episode of Mainly Modifieds, where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. Let's join the Race Chaser Media crew in the studio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Mainly Modifieds. We are happy to be back with you again for another week. My name is Tom Baker from Race Chaser Media. And joining me in just a little while will be Kyle Souza. We've got a special interview on this show as well that's going to be coming up in just a moment. Kyle sat down with Patrick Emmerling, and I think you're going to really enjoy this interview. Patrick, as many of you probably know, uh, Patrick had an opportunity to make his NASCAR Xfinity Series debut uh, driving for our motorsports, which, of course, uh, Chris Auer and Andy Seiss, so much a part of modified racing in New England and beyond. And uh, I thought this was an excellent uh, opportunity for Patrick to test the waters in NASCAR's uh, AAA division, if you will. And, of course, the result wasn't what he had hoped for because... Uh, somebody decided to help him to have an accident, but uh, he certainly looked impressive in his debut. He talks a lot about that and uh, his modified plans for 2020 as well. And it's uh, it's just a very uh, entertaining and informative interview. And I'm going to get out of the way so that we can step aside. And then when we come back, we can get things started. And then Kyle and I will be uh, having some conversation after that. So I hope that all of you are safe and well. It's great to hear that uh, at least some tracks are seeing some sort of activity in New England. A little bit of racing, a little bit of testing, uh, a lot of that going on. We're going to talk all about that on this week's Mainly Modified. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back to get things started on Mainly Modifieds right after this. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses. No problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, my computer career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to this week's edition of Mainly Modifies. We've got another special guest on the hotline. This guy's coming off his NASCAR Xfinity Series debut uh, at Bristol Motor Speedway last week. Before we get to that, though, we'll introduce Patrick Emmeling to the program. Patrick, thanks for joining us. And we want to talk to you about a barrage of different things uh, here this morning. But let's start with quarantine. I mean, COVID-19 has affected all of us uh, in multiple different ways. What has it been like for you to kind of be home, hanging out? I'm sure still working in some capacity, uh, but not being at the racetrack up until this past week has obviously been different for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a lot less going on. Um, you know, and plus the New York State here is definitely pretty, uh, you know, was, we're pretty shut down. But as far as, um, you know, my work's been, it's kind of, um, you know, it's kind of been business as usual uh, a little bit. But, um, 
they just got to take some extra precautions and, you know, obviously, you know, um, deal with the state laws and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, you know, things been good. It's just, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, a lack of racing, right? So a little bit less busy than, uh, you know, last few months, definitely a lot less busy than we normally are, um, with, you know, with just racing. Um, but, uh, yeah, excited to, uh, you know, get back to it later on this month. So getting back to the track, obviously a major tipping point for you before we talk about the tour and what, what might come in a modified, uh, over the next month or so, how about Monday? I mean, you make your NASCAR Xfinity series debut at Bistol. Kind of tell us before we talk about the race, how that deal came about. I mean, I know, you know, Andy Sice, well, you know, Chris Hauer, you guys have somewhat of a relationship there. I'm sure it sparked it, but Brett Moffitt drove that car to some success. And then you happened to pop into the seat, uh, at Thunder Valley, a place you know well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's because uh, we've been talking, uh, you know, to Chris and Andy for uh, Chris for a long time there. Um, you know, as he used to own a modified there, and um, and yeah, so that um, you know, the deal was is um, he kind of had uh, um, you know he had he had Bristol open on his schedule there. And, um, you know, and as a, uh, you know, as a team, as an Xfinity team, you want to uh, try to run the whole, uh, you know, you want to run the whole season for points and stuff like that. And it works out if, this works out if you're to run the full uh, season, you know, you get your perks, you get, you know, discounts on your drivetrain rentals and, you know, just every little points fund, everything. So, um, um, so, um, yeah, they had, uh, Bristol Open and and um, you know given that was my probably one of my favorite that's probably my favorite racetrack and so um, you know we decided to make our debut there and um, which was you know I was uh, get going into it I was pretty nerv- nervous nervous um, you know there there's no practice or qualifying or anything like that so it was just kind of start the race and go um, you know with kind of you know with being my first time in the car. Um, you know, you kind of have an idea what to expect, but you don't know exactly what to expect. Um, and so, um, you know, leading up to, you know, the green flag, it was you know, a little bit nerve wracking there. But once, um, you know, once you kind of get out, you know, once you start driving it, you realize, you know, hey, you know, modified's harder to drive than this thing. So, um, you know, then it was fine. Then it's all kind of, there's just a learning curve involved. Um, you know, you just kind of, uh, you know, there's just, Things that you do in one of those cars that you would do differently in a modified. Those things uh, with a modified, you charge the corners, uh, you just manhandle the cars, and just try to get all the every ounce of speed you can out of them. Where these cars, um, you have to um, you, know, you have to enter them lightly in the corner. You got to really wait for them to rotate, and um, you know, and just. Yeah, a little bit more maybe finesse and precision maybe, but um, there's definitely um, some things definitely uh, that have to be done differently in those cars for sure. Yeah, so you go into the race, I'm sure, with an expectation of just finishing all the laps and, uh, you know, having a strong run, a decent of a run as you can in that car. You start off the race, as you mentioned, kind of nerve-wracking. I can only imagine what that's like. And then you guys had a decent run going, man. It, w- it looked like the car was going pretty good. And, you know, for not having any experience in the car, it was going well. And then, you know, you, you kind of got in a, in a little bit of a tangle there. How disappointing is that, especially knowing it's not your fault? Um, and not only that you leave with a wrecked race car, but knowing that you are having a solid run. Uh, and like I said, that expectation is hopeful to finish all the laps yeah and that, that was my biggest uh that was my biggest you know going that was our goal michael going into it you know i just wanted 
um, run the whole race, learn, um, you know, definitely uh, complete all the laps. And, you know, at the beginning of the race, I was, you know, I kind of just was taking it easy. So at that point of the race, um, you know, my goal was to just stay out there and, um, you know, kind of just take it easy. Don't go a lap down. And, um, you know, by the, as you can tell, that, that with the result of the race, a lot of them guys, a lot of the, you know, you could just tell racing out there that the, that um, a lot of cars are just going to get weeded right out of there because, yeah. I mean, guys are driving stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quite honestly. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so you could just tell, I mean, there's, there was going to be a lot of cars getting weeded out of there. There's going to be cautions. Um, and, you know, our car, you know, we started out, you know, we we're, we're, we're on the tight side. So I was, um, our, our biggest thing is I was uh, pretty tight off. So I had a hard time uh, getting back to the throttle, um, you know, to get a good run out of the corner. And, um, you know, we were coming in, you know, we were coming in, we were working on it and we were getting the car better and better. And another stop, and then before that, um, you know, we came in, we made an adjustment, we got the car a whole lot better, and we came out running down. You know, we were running about 13th place lap times. Yeah. Um, you know, all, all, we were almost running top 10 lap times there. Um, you know, 10th to 13th lap times, and um, we, uh, you know, and then it was kind of tightening it up back on us a little bit. And then what, if we came in and we made one more adjustment. We were going to pass uh, definitely a good handful of cars there. Yeah. Um, and it was just, um, you know, like I said, at that point in the race, we were kind of buying our time. Um, you know, I, I, that, there was a car behind me. And, um, you know, and I said, uh, you know, it was kind of dry. You know, he was within a car length or half a car length and car length, car length and a half or so for a little while. And, uh, you know, he would set, he was uh, sending in the corner, sliding up the track, kind of, you know, like like you say, kind of driving a little crazy there, and um, and but the thing is, if you know, you know, if you're if you're racing someone, um, you know, if they show you, you know, you want them to show you a little bit of nose, you move up the track, um, you know, then you race it out, right? Uh, a little bit of nose under you. Well, we had none of that, so yeah. Um, he uh, that car there he didn't even show us a nose just running a half a car length behind us and then maybe in the corners he would he would get to the bumper and then um you know if he was to show a nose i would just you know i would, and at that point in the race i would almost just let him by you know because he was gonna he's you know i was pretty positive he was gonna take care of himself yeah but um but yeah then all of a sudden he just um you know he he took me out uh, in the middle of the straightaway left rear me put me in the inside wall one of the hardest hits i've ever had and um, I took and, um, you know, and then he said we deserved it. And I didn't understand that. I never drove someone like that in my life. Um, no one ever driven me like that in my whole life of uh, in my years of racing. So that was just really weird to me um, that people at that level would be doing that stuff. Um, complete uh, lack of class in my book. Um, you know, it was tough. I was really frustrated because it's not like I have a I know, opportunity to do that every day. So right. um, that that was a big uh, you know, that was a big letdown there. Yeah, I mean, so. I mean, how do you look back at it? I mean, obviously that's really frustrating. It doesn't end uh, the way you want for obvious reasons. And, you know, it's not nothing of your doing. It's of somebody else's doing. Uh, but what about the experience overall? Are there things you'll take from that? I mean, obviously you hope to do that again one day. Um, but I'm sure overall a good experience to be able to sit in that car, 
team with Chris and Andy, uh, guys that you know well, and go out there and compete at that high of a level in that high of a series uh, to be able to run in the top 15 there solidly for a good portion of that race that you were out there for? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, the, the, that team there, it's a, a great group of guys, and pretty much everyone on that team, um, you know, they all have modified roots, yeah. right? You have Andy, uh, the crew chief, Joe Williams, he's from the Northeast, and he's a big modified fan, and, um, you know, used to work on modifieds, and, and uh, pretty much a lot of guys on that team, um, pretty much everyone I almost met there, um, you know, had modified roots or a passion for modifieds, which, uh, you know, that was a, you know, that was a good, that's a good fit for me, you know, so because that's, uh, you know, that's been all I did for for years. So um, that part of it's cool. But just a, just a great group of guys. Um, and it would be, uh, you know, an honor to kind of get back uh, running with them again if at some point. Are there any other plans? Has there been a discussion? Uh, or is this, as of right now, a one-off deal for Patrick Emerling? Um, well, at this point, it was a one-off deal. Um, you know, if anything comes about, um, you know, it'd be, um, you know, I mean, there's something. There might be something that would come about, but it, we would have to. Uh, not nothing set in stone right now. Yeah. So fair enough. Um, so you run there, uh, and you've won there in the modified cars. We transitioned to modifieds. Whether and I, I know you mentioned that the cars drive completely different, but did that modified experience there help you at all getting out on that track? I mean, I feel like it would have been a ton different if you had never driven anything on the racetrack prior to taking that green flag. Yeah, I mean the the modified experience there definitely helps. I mean because you kind of know what the track is, and you know, so we know that. So I know that I knew the track, and so. Um, but as far as those cars, um, if anything, um, you know, my little bit of truck experience there was probably yeah. um, my um, experiencing that maybe gave me a little bit more to of you know what I would expect going into it, right. uh, going into the race, and um, another thing too, I've been watching you know leading up to that, you know, you've been watching in car cameras and watching simulating it just watching uh, lots of videos so that gives you a good kind of perspective on what you would expect as well yeah so that goes into your rearview mirror uh and now we turn towards the nascar wheel modified tour season obviously a race of champions tour season that's kind of still up in the air floating uh on what's going to you know go on with that but let's talk about prior to 2020 before we hit on 2020 you've got a tour win obviously we mentioned that at bristol you got some top five some top tens couple pole awards you've led laps what what has it kind of been that you're missing just a tick of uh do you think to run up there and contend for the championship every year i mean you've had some strong championship runs just seems like there's one or two races in the season that kind of put you a tick behind and then you guys start picking it up again but maybe it's too late by that point to contend for a points title yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of it comes down to, so the, a lot of the, you know, the teams that are contending for championships, I mean, they put a lot and a lot of effort, a lot of resource, like a lot of, I mean, they put a ton of effort into uh, running the, for the championship. And that's something I think we maybe lacked on a little bit. Um, you know, we'll run the ROC and then we'll run the, uh, you know, and then we'll just, you know, like last year, for example, we weren't really planning on running the full series. And then um, we, uh, so then we ran a few races and, you know, just, you know, we turned up, uh, we were second in points for a little while there. And then, um, you know, so then we, you know, we decided to finish the season off and then it was just a lot of bad luck after that. We got wrecked a couple of times, um, you know, running pretty strong. We got wrecked and, um, 
you know, we just had some bad luck, and then we then we struggled um, with the with with the car a little bit um, in other couple races. So it um, so we kind of we, we started out pretty strong. Um, you know, we had some some consistent top five runs, and um, we were running. You know, we were running strong, and then you know we were up there in points, second in points or so, and then um, and then just things kind of went south for us, and then um, so we were kind of upset about that. So this year um, we were putting in, we we're looking to put in a better effort than we ever put in to run the tour because you know we know we can do it and compete, uh, you know, and compete for a championship there. It's just we just weren't able to this to this point, but I think this year. Um, after putting a little bit more effort in, um, I think um, you know that's going to be something we're going to go after. So you got that plan for 2020, uh, and obviously we we had talked just before Bristol, uh, knowing that you know you were going to miss that Myrtle Beach race because you had a commitment to Bristol. Uh, what was the emotion of that like? I mean, I know now it's it's been can't you know postponed. Who knows if it's going to happen down the line? Uh, that was kind of an interesting situation though. Going to miss the tour start uh, of the you know the Open 2020, especially after quarantine, but running the the Xfinity race was kind of a little bit more important uh, at that point. So in a sense, are you kind of happy Myrtle Beach got postponed so you're back on track with everybody else? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say I'm not there. Um, you know, just because uh, actually that, that deal, because um, with uh, Myrtle Beach there, um, you know, it was kind of a rumor for a week. And then all of a sudden they said, oh, next week we're going to run. You know, next week we're gonna. Um, you know, the details came out the following week, so it was about like a week and a half notice there, and where we kind of committed to um, you know, the Xfinity race. Um, you know, beforehand, so um, you know, a little bit beforehand prior to that. So, so then when you saw the weather uh, not looking so good, then they canceled it. Well, that was kind of. Um, you know, I was kind of, honestly, I was you know a little bit relieved that because uh, I really didn't want to miss a race and. Um, you know, because what we were looking to do this year and run the full season, so that kind of worked out for me a little bit. Um, that happened. Yeah, so it puts you in a situation now where you can kind of open the tour season with everybody else, hopefully uh, on Father's Day, June 21st, down at Jennerstown. Uh, thoughts about that track? Thoughts about how that might go uh, for you from your perspective? And just in general, how happy are you that you're finally going to be back behind the wheel and, and in competition here? I know we're a couple months delayed, but it's going to be nice to be ready to go back. Yeah, it's going to be great. Um, you know, it's yeah, it was, with what was going on, it was kind of hard to speculate. Uh, you know, when we were going to be racing. So, uh, Jennerstown is an awesome, is a really cool racetrack. Uh, we ran there once in the on the ROC, and um, it's uh, you know great, great racetrack, good facility, and um, you know it's pretty exciting. Any track that is more of a neutral track um, on the tour, so. If um, you know, if it's not Thompson or Stafford, or not like a New England track, um, I tend to do a little bit better at those, just because um, you know it's more neutral and that, and, and um, we don't have. We've been kind of struggling at our Thompson and Stafford, just because a lot of the teams just really have them tracks dialed compared to us and so any neutral track i think is definitely a big help for us yeah and that's fair enough uh fair to see that what what are the other plans for 2020 i mean I know everything else kind of on hold uh but was the plan to, to run some roc races was the plan to maybe hit some tri-track or mrs races what what else was on the horizon here that might be if those series ever get rolling yeah so the plan would be to um plan would be to obviously to you know to commit to the wheel modified tour and then um you know when, when we were going to run um 
We're going to run some other races that wouldn't compromise on running the wheeling tour. So, um, you know, when we would have time, you know, we would run the ROC, obviously, because that's kind of up in our region. And, um, you know, and I you know that the Tri-Track series, like, I love the series, and it's awesome. It's a, it's a great, great series, great deal. But um, we just haven't had uh, the opportunity to run there in the last couple of years just because, um, run them races, just because we, you know, would have a, a conflict or there'd be like a race here on Friday where it's a race there on Saturday. So it was just, we just weren't able to kind of get, um, get it together to, you know, um, travel, you know, there's uh, some to, eight, nine hours, uh, out there to run a tri-track race. Yeah. And that's fair enough. Uh, and brings you to the point where now you're ready for 2020. <clears throat> You've done that Xfinity start ready for modified. Uh, and Patrick, we really appreciate some time here on a busy morning. Uh, I'm sure at work, uh, and hopefully looking forward to seeing you at the racetrack soon. Wish you luck in 2020. Uh, and I'm sure we'll catch up in the near future. Thanks for having me on, Kyle. All right. This has been Patrick Emerling. When we come back, we're going to discuss that Jennerstown race on June 21st. No fans in the stands for that one. Talk about what that mean uh, may mean for some of these drivers and race teams. And we'll catch up on some of the latest news outside of the Modified Tour as well up here in New England with the Granite State Pro Stock Series and Pro All-Star Series opening up their weekend uh, here this past weekend for their 2020 season. We will be right back on this edition of Mainly Modifieds. Everyone knows Strutmasters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles, and now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider, complete motorcycle air suspension brought to you by Strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider air shocks. They're backed by Strutmasters, and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider motorcycle air suspension at Strutmasters.com. Welcome back to Mainly Modifieds as we now welcome Kyle Souza to the podcast for the week. And uh, Kyle, fantastic interview with Patrick Emmerling. That was, man, I tell you what, watching him in that Xfinity race, um, and, and I was, it was like I turned my back for a second and he gets crashed. It's like, oh my gosh, what just happened here? Um, you know, that was a, a terrible deal for him there but he made a great impression and you know really that whole team chris hour andy sice the whole team um everybody connected with our motorsports is one of the to me the highlight stories in nascar period in 2020 um those guys are just kicking the bear in the ass yeah, uh, and it opens the door, you know, for a lot of discussion about what, what the Xfinity Series means for a race team uh, that wants to get to that high of a level and yeah. not get to the Cup Series, right? Obviously, it's cheaper to run the Xfinity Series than it is the uh, Cup Series, at least to some extent. Right. Uh, but what you're seeing Andy do, and we talked to Andy a couple weeks ago right here on the show, what you're seeing him do uh, and the success that he's having over the last couple of weeks uh, as, you know, basically the general manager, I guess, in in, in the way you would call it for all motorsports yeah, running the operation. Manager, uh, the success he's having shows that modified guys can get up there and get the job done, not only at a driving level, but at an ownership uh, level where he's kind of making a lot of the decisions and, and helping get things off the ground running. Obviously he hasn't been in the car uh, himself yet, which I think is, is definitely coming here over the next little bit, but so nice to uh, get behind the wheel. And a guy that Tom, I don't think any of us 
before he dropped it out that he was going to be getting in the car. I could have never expected that. Uh, you see that he's going to be in the car, and it's one of those welcomed opportunities yeah. uh, that he gets the opportunity to get in. He, he did pretty dang well for the time that he had before he was involved in that incident. Well, he really did, and and as he said, he was kind of learning all the way through, right, because what it takes to be fast and, and get an Xfinity car around the racetrack the way you need to is necessarily different than what it would take to get a modified around the track um, the same way. So when you asked him about whether his his uh, experience, I almost said hickory, at Bristol, um, you know, whether that, that, that helped him, um, you know, as he said, with, you know, in terms of familiarity with the racetrack, it has to help, right, because it's the same racetrack, but the driving style is necessarily different. It's a different kind of car. The weight's different. Everything's different. So, um, yeah, tough tough uh tough deal for him and again with no practice i thought that he just did a tremendous job um shockingly so in my opinion um you know and and so i think when when we look ahead for patrick we see you know he liked to run whatever there is of the wheel and modified tour this year um and and i hope that he has the chance to do that i think that he um you know, he certainly is capable of, of, of winning, in my opinion. And, you know, he's saying, um, you know, they kind of stepped up their effort a little bit. Good gosh, they were fast before. You know, it's like, what what, what does that look like? And, and uh, how tough is he going to be now? Um, so I thought that was a really fun interview and, and very insightful as well. It's uh, It kind of leads us to the june 21st opener for the wheel and modified tour i suppose uh at jennerstown it you know and no fans but it appears as though we're we're gonna have a race and i i mean i i guess you could tell us what the latest you're hearing about you know who's going and and what the scuttlebutt is about it but it feels to me like this is just so much better of a situation than what we were trying to do at myrtle beach um, everybody's got time to prepare, and Jennerstown certainly, uh, I think, going to be a terrific racetrack for the tour to open their season at. Yeah, a lot of mixed uh, mixed feelings here, uh, and it, it brings up a discussion about uh, a purse. Uh, and we had this discussion on uh, an episode, or maybe it was two episodes ago, where we were talking about how Myrtle Beach uh, was going to go and how things were going to get off the ground running there at Myrtle Beach, and, and the purse was going to be reduced. Uh, I remember we talked at that point about how some of the drivers had decided not to go uh, for various reasons. It wasn't just the purse. The fact that the purse was lower and, and not a full purse obviously plays a role sure. uh, in decisions that people make. Uh, but the fact of the matter was people weren't going for a variety of reasons. Number one, you mentioned it, there wasn't enough time to get their cars ready, yeah. uh, get there at a reasonable uh, rate. So that was fine. It's 13, 12, 13 hours away. They didn't want to stay in hotels. Okay. Number two, the purse definitely being cut is definitely not a good thing. I mean, 10th place on back, only paying 500 bucks, uh, is really not even going to cover your set of tires for the day. Well, hang on, uh, hang on. and that's a little bit of an issue. Let me ask because I I wasn't I'm not I, I is the purse cut for Jennerstown as well? I wasn't aware. Well, sources uh, intel. I know the teams have now gotten the purse, and I've obtained a copy of that purse, uh, and it is the same purse that was basically given to them for Myrtle Beach. Um, so the purse is not drastically increased um you know since this little three or four week delay that we've had before getting the season underway mm-hmm. and, and talking with car owners and drivers over the last you know we're taping this on a 
Tuesday at one o'clock and you just heard my phone ding. I actually just got a text message from a car owner. Um, I've been going back and forth with these race teams and they're telling me, yeah, the purse is pretty similar to what it was at Myrtle beach, if not the exact same. And I don't know that that really does NASCAR any good, uh, from a logistical perspective. I mean, these race teams were a little bit concerned <sighs> with the purse to travel 12 hours. Jennerstown's a decent hike for most of these race teams. It's not going to be 12 hours, but it's probably going to be more like five or six, which is a decent ride. Uh, to have to travel back on the same day. So there's a lot of questions there uh, about what's going to happen for this race. There are a lot of, uh, I guess the best way to say it, there's a lot of pissed off car owners uh, with the way the purse structure is. Uh, A lot of aggravated car owners with the way that the fact that there's going to be no fans at this event, although Jennerstown is opened already uh, and held a show with a limited capacity of fans, uh, a regular weekly show. Uh, So a lot of frustration around that, a lot of frustration around the teams, the fact that, uh, you know, they're not going to allow fans in and the teams are only getting eight co- uh, eight people per crew, which I completely understand. You know, they've got to follow the restrictions right. that NASCAR sure. has given yeah. them from a higher up. I think the thing that people don't understand, Tom, is Jimmy Wilson and his gang uh, also speak with the guys that are higher up than him. And in the end, the guys that are higher up than him make those final decisions. No matter what Jimmy really in heart wants to do, he can dig for it all he wants. If one of those higher ups makes a decision across the board for all NASCAR racing, uh, then that's what it is. And I think that's why we're dealing with no fans here going into Jennerstown. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, I think people need to understand that when when you have, let, let's say, the Tri-Track t- Series, let's just take that for example, the owner of the Tri-Track Series is the owner of the Tri-Track Series. So if you have an issue with something regarding the Tri-Track Series, you go straight to the owner of the series. When you have an issue about something to do with the Wheel and Tour Series, you go to Jimmy, um, and Jimmy has to report to other people, right? So, it, you know, I, I hope that teams will, you know, are, are understanding that, yeah, okay, you can vent, but, you know, and I'm sure Jimmy realizes, too, you know, that that teams or owners or drivers or whatever, you know, people need to vent. It's like, okay, go ahead. I'll listen. But Jimmy can't make decisions like that without approval from above. And, and that's, you know, that's all I'm going to say about that. It, it just, I, I feel bad for people like Jimmy because they're known in business as middlemen. You know, it's middle management is basically what it is. And, you know, they're, they're, they're given some control over certain aspects of the show. But, you know, in a lot of other ways, they're subject to the directives from above. And that's just how it works. So I hate hearing, I would hate hearing if Jimmy was getting beat up by these people, you know. But at the same time, I understand the situation they're in. Um, I didn't realize the purse was still going to be cut. I, I thought that was a, an emergency kind of thing from Myrtle Beach and whatever. I, man, it's I know it's half the ride, but, you know, the, the, the gas is the same. And, you know, as far as per gallon and I mean, 500 bucks is not nearly enough. Honestly, it just isn't. And uh, it's tough because these guys want to go racing, but, you know, they don't want they don't have an unlimited amount of money to lose in doing that and wow um so i gather from all of this then kyle that you're saying that we don't know 
if we're going to have, we don't know how many cars we could see it. Are there people, are there a, a number of people who are saying they may not go? I mean, what, it, what are we looking like for, for, for Jennerstown as far as what you can gather? Yeah, it's a mixed bag here. Uh, and I think it was mm. a mixed bag from Myrtle Beach, and we kind of didn't know right until, uh, basically until it was postponed, we really had no idea who was going to go and who wasn't going to go. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact of the matter is for that, there was no time for anybody to send in an entry blank uh, with a, you know, a registration. So NASCAR really had no time to file in the entry list and give us anybody, any type of list from an official perspective that we're going to be attending. So we didn't really know then. Uh, you know, we had a good consensus then that we were probably looking at a low-end 18 cars to a high-end 26 cars. Uh, and I think you're probably still looking in that region. Um, okay. I think that's fair. I think 18 the low, 26 the high, you know, give or take a few on each one. Give me two or three there. Uh, yeah. So it might be more like 15 to 21 versus 26 to 29. Um, but similarly, there's really no other modified racing going on uh, as of, you know, as of right now. There, there's races that are coming uh, races that are going to be announced in the near future. Um, I know that, but, you know, for the modified tour perspective, it's really going to be the first modified race in, in the New England slash Northeast region, right. other than an event that's going on up in Mahoning Valley uh, this coming weekend. But that's not a really, you know, an event that's going to draw the same type of full car count that would an NASCAR wheel and a modified tour race. It's going yeah. to draw some of the drivers, but not the same amount. Yeah, uh, so I think 16 to... 18, some is the low end. You're probably looking at a high end of 25 to 30, somewhere in there. Uh, I think that's fair. Uh, I think you'll probably hit somewhere smack dab in the middle. I think 22 to 24 cars is probably what you're looking at. You might get a couple more. You might get a couple less. But, you know, whatever NASCAR does to get off the ground running with Jennerstown is Jennerstown. Uh, my number one, you know, my number one concern, and I'm not concerned because I don't own a car, um, <laughs> but my number well, one concern is just from like talking to these race teams. Uh, and even from a media perspective, trying to plug this event, right. is there is no future plan. And I mean none. Like, since we've last talked and since you've last caught up with the podcast, the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour event in New Hampshire on July 17th was canceled. So that race is off the schedule. Of any race that I thought would happen in 2020, you figured that New Hampshire Motor Speedway would be the one that they could pull off yeah. at a National Series track, right? On the same weekend as a cup race. They could bring the tour cars in on a Saturday by themselves, run the race, get them out of there, bring the cup in the next day. They rescheduled the cup race for August 2nd and then outright flat canceled the modified race. And that is a shock, uh, at least to me. I figured that's the one race. You know, all these races that have been postponed that yeah. probably are not going to be rescheduled, the one race you figure they would figure out is New Hampshire, but yeah. they didn't do that for whatever reason. So... What are we looking at for a modified tour season? It's getting thinner and thinner and thinner and thinner. Every time I look at this, there's more and more tracks saying on the record now, we postponed our race, but we're not holding it. So, you know, wh where is the schedule going to look going forward? I don't know. If this doesn't work at Jennerstown, we could be in deep trouble. If it works, you might get three, four races at Jennerstown maybe. But not at that reduced purse because I can tell you these race teams are not going to run for $4,000 to win every single week well, throughout the whole summer. See, this is what I was going to ask about. That was where I was going next is let's look into the future. And, of course, you just you just took a lot of that away, which is great because you answered a lot of the questions. Um, is the purse, you know, what is NASCAR saying about, you know, and look, I also 
again, me just sitting here in, you know, North Carolina, um, talking to you on the podcast. Yeah, I can see, you know, NASCAR has its expenses and I don't know what kind of a sanction fee they're getting out of Jennerstown for the show. I doubt it's $70,000. Uh, you know, so I do understand that NASCAR has expenses with that being said, somewhere there's there's got to be a you know a, a plan a, a you know listen guys we you know here's here's the way we can go forward or we just have to wait until 21 if that were the way it was put out there then everybody would either agree disagree and there'd be a decision and then we would know i feel like part of and again tell me if i'm wrong Kyle cuz you're in touch with these people on an ongoing basis, but I feel like part of the problem is that the teams feel like it's there's no strategy. They're not being told anything. They're not. It's almost like we just, all right, we're going to schedule this race, and here's how it is. And then we hear about another race two weeks later. Oh, we're going to do this race in two weeks. Here's how it is. And there's no, I, I don't feel like there's any kind of, um, explanation of you know this is where we're at and and i think at some point you know that that needs to happen and um if i'm a modified team owner and i've put all this money into cars and you know whatever um and 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 of course you got sponsors for a lot of these teams that are have spent money already and that money's gone um you know how do you how do you how do you do that? How do you deal with that? I think I, it feels to me like part of the problem is maybe NASCAR is not empathizing enough, not really sitting down with the teams and kind of, you know, I feel like they've done that in some of the other series because I know some of the conversations that have been had on the Arcus side of things, um, for example, and there's a lot of back and forth. I don't feel like necessarily they're getting that same type of, you know, can you guys do this? Can this work for you guys? What can we do? Is is that kind of where you feel like we're at, too? I mean, it just feels like there's not really much input being sought. Um, it's more about telling the teams what they're going to do rather than asking them what, you know, what can be done here to kind of make this work for everybody. Yeah, that, that, that's spot on. Uh, these race teams are aggravated that they're not being, uh, NASCAR is not really being fully transparent with yeah. them, they feel like. Um, and I, I can't, you know, I can't disagree, obviously. Uh, as a media member that's so deeply involved in this tour, um, I've got a lot of sources uh, and a lot of intel sure. from different yeah. people that work in different parts of the tour, uh, all the way from guys that work internally to people that run on the tour to people, you know, car owners, sponsors, sure. everybody involved. I think the general frustration from every single car owner on this tour right now is they have no insight about what's coming next. Yeah, There is absolutely no direction on when the next race is going to be. And when they, you know, when they cancel Loudon, yeah, I've talked to some car owners that did get a phone call uh, prior to the announcement coming out that they were canceling that race in New Hampshire. That's different than them announcing Myrtle Beach off the top uh, to the car owner yeah. and then letting it out on social media. So they did that the right way. This time they call the car owners, then put it out. That's good. So the car owners are in the loop, but they're also not calling all 30 car owners. They're probably calling the top five or six and letting them know, hey, we're going to be doing this. In the next day, but see, but that, that opens up a whole nother can of worms. Uh, a lot of these teams don't run full time. You probably only get six to eight cars that run every race faithfully, so that's fine. Um, 
But it opens the door, man. There's a lot of discussion. I think that the one thing that I keep hearing from car owners is transparency. They just want to know what's going to happen. Just be honest with them. Tell me what the deal is. Show me the book on why you have to do this purse because you need to make this much money. And I know, you know, for NASCAR's sake, they don't want to release those numbers. Well, I get it. But it opens – it's just a whole other can of worms Well, here. look, I don't, I don't think the team owners are entitled to see books. That's – I just can't agree with that. Uh, I, You know, it's just not – that's not how the game works. But what I hear you saying is NASCAR tells the teams what they're going to do. How about we have a giant Zoom call with as many of the 30 car owners as possible on a Sunday evening or something – you know, when everybody, hopefully, nobody's working or whatever, you can get, you know, or have it on a weekday night, whatever works. But ha- get these people together and say, okay, here's, here's the situation we're faced with. You know, here are the places we think we can run. Here are the places we know we can't run. Um, you know, here's, because I feel like the purse is a big part of this, obviously, right? Because you, you, you want a full purse, but... I would I would believe that it's bigger than that. I think a lot of these team owners, I would guess, because I know if I were a team owner, I'm putting my team owner hat on and business person hat on and saying, I would just want to be a part of the conversation about what the potential is of a show rather than, oh, here's what we're doing. You know, in other words, you know, ask the question, can this work for you? How can we make this work? Instead of just saying, this is what we're doing, if you don't like it, tough kind of thing. Because that's, whether NASCAR is conveying it that way or meaning it that way, that apparently is the way it's coming across. So it's just, it, and when, 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 I, when I see, it, it seems to me like the, the modified series, because it's a New England-based series now, I mean, let's be real, right? It's a New England-based series, and New England is still closed for the most part, Um you know, the modified series is the hardest hit by this COVID of all of NASCAR's series. And so I think if NASCAR would get all the team owners and everybody together on a, on a conference call and say, here's our perspective here. Here's what the challenges are. And then maybe the team owners would be able to come up with some productive, you know, ideas that maybe everybody can live with. Um, you know, maybe somebody knows of a sponsor that if we ran this track on this day and we had four weeks to put it together, maybe we could pull that sponsor in and up the purse. You know, maybe we could sell laps, but maybe we could, you know, whatever. In other words, if everybody were to, to work together to make this work, but I don't feel like that doesn't seem to be the way it's coming across to the team owners. They don't get told anything until they're just about 24 hours away from announcing a race. And I just feel like that is a different way than including them in on, well, this this is a race we could do. You know, <laughs> does that make sense, Kyle? I mean, I I just I I feel like it's just the way that it's being presented to the team owners and the lack of inclusion in the planning process and in the in in the process of trying to figure out what's best is what people seem to be upset about, right? You've nailed it. That is yes, one. I okay. could not have said that better myself. Okay. They just want to get involved. They yes. just want to hear. This is what we're thinking about doing. Does anybody want to say uh, something other than, you know, yes or no? Give yeah. me some type of insight, you know, to say it's very simple. 
a guy like Ken Massa could be on the phone, and Ken Massa may say, well, Jimmy, it's going to cost me this much in, you know, hauler right. fuel to get there, this much in tires, and this much in crew to get everybody there, stay in a hotel, get everybody back. So that 500, could we get that up to 750? You know what I mean? They're not, right. these car owners are not in a position where they're going to be asking for a million dollars to go racing. If they right. were going to, they wouldn't be in this business. They wouldn't be competing at this level. Right. It's not cheap. It's not great pay. That's modified racing. The Tri-Track Series pays well. NASCAR Modified Tour, you travel more. It doesn't pay as well, but it's always been that way. It's nothing new. Yeah. So the teams are well aware of this, and so is NASCAR, and it's always worked. So why mess something up that doesn't work? My yeah. thing with the whole thing, for obvious reasons, is if the purse is lower, the car count's going to be a little bit lower, most likely on most occasions. It might not be for Jennerstown. These guys are so desperate to race, they want to get on the track, that yep. the car count might be just fine. If it continues for more than just Jennerstown, then NASCAR is going to run themselves into a corner. But it's unclear. It's just so unclear. And I think that's why the car owners are frustrated at this point. They don't know what's coming. They just want to know even something. Tell us we think we're going to be racing July 4th somewhere in this area. Right. We're, we're, we're talking to this track. We're talking to that track. We're trying to do this. They're just not. They call on a conference call. They tell you what they're doing. You're stuck with what they're doing. Yeah, and that's, that's it. See, I, that's, that's just why yeah. they want some yeah. you know some transparency yep um that's the that's the the, the part i think that uh i hear and, and that and, and that would be true anywhere and that's you can't boy you know i think as a sanctioning body and and i don't think it should be just jimmy on those calls i think you know whoever in florida is you know the guy i mean it, you you've got to have everybody on that call and and it should be um very much about let's figure this out together and if if they would just do that now you know because then like i said maybe somebody would say well if if you don't if you give me four weeks <laughs> maybe i can come maybe i got a sponsor over here i can pull into this that would help us you know or whatever let let your let your people let your teams let your entertainers you know, let them be a part of the process because it's I feel like NASCAR treats the tour sometimes like they treat Cup or Xfinity or, you know, or even trucks. And in reality, it's a local series. It's basically tri-track with fancier name and whatever else. It's the same thing. Maybe they travel a little farther Whatever, it's a local series, they're local working class people, and you have to deal with them accordingly. You can't, and in a time like this, I feel like bringing them in on the process, you'd end up with a bunch of people that would be excited to go racing because they helped make it happen, you know? Um, so at least that's my two cents on it. What the heck do I know? I'm not, you know, I'm obviously, NASCAR hasn't asked me, but that's just, you know, I, I do understand, I think, where, you know, where where the the working man racer sits on things like this, and it's kind of uh, it's kind of a shame, but um, I hope Jennerstown works out. Like I said, I think it's a great track, and um, I, I think it's a good track to run multiple shows, but here again, it's tough to ask these guys, if you're going to have that kind of a purse, tough to ask these guys to... Uh, and I and I just I don't understand canceling New Hampshire. That one, when I found out they were doing it, blew me right out of my chair. I just was like, "Wait, what? <laughs> You've already got Cup there. 
You, if you can run an Xfinity before Cup, you can run a modified before Cup. If you can run Xfinity and truck on the same day somewhere without fans, you can run Xfinity and modified without fans or whatever. You, you know, I, I don't. That one was, you know, I, I, I don't. Have we heard an explanation as to why they canceled it? Have they even offered one? There's no explanation dropped uh, by the track or NASCAR, simply just saying that they relocated the Xfinity race, which they did, uh, over to Kentucky, which I believe is July 9, off the top of my head. Don't quote me on that. Uh, But the modified tour race, it just says it's canceled till 2021. Obviously, they are still going to uh, plan on holding the Musket 200, uh, which is coming up at the end of September. So still some time before that happens. They haven't made an official deal on that yet on how that's going to work. Uh, but no real statement released from anybody. NASCAR's Twitter account, you know, and obviously the NASCAR home tracks, uh, NASCAR yeah. Roots account, just simply retweeting and s- saying that the Wheel Modified Tour events at New Hampshire for July have been canceled. They're still planning to run in September, and that's it. Uh, very hush hush. No real, you know, decision to the yeah. car owners. Nothing like that at this point. So dumbfounded by that one. Uh, as I said, I figured that race would be the one that they could run, um, and they could figure out how to do it, even if they left it in the original weekend. But apparently not. Well, uh, and that may be a telltale sign, Tom, of what they're willing to pay for a purse. Obviously, that New Hampshire purse is a little bit stiffer um, than a you know, local short track like Jennerstown, Seekonk would be. Well, yeah. Um, it's a little taller for obvious reasons. But what does that mean for the future? Is that a purse deal? Is that why they didn't want that race to happen? I don't know. I don't have the answers, but it's definitely a good question. Yeah, here again. I mean, it, you know, it, it just – and I feel like – a lot of this is just communication. It's like just just explain what's going on, explain why you're doing this, so that people understand. And and then of course you're going to get you know some people are going to bash NASCAR anyway because that's the in thing to do. Um, you know, it, 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 and, and even if they cured cancer, there'd be a number of people who would find something wrong with that. I get it, but I, but when you're dealing with a group of local guys and you have this show in their backyard and you're running another show in their backyard and and you can't like and then you just say well sorry we're we're not holding that one um without some sort of explanation and i'm not saying nascar owes as as if somehow nascar works for the teams that's not what i'm saying at all but they should want to be open and honest with the teams and, and, and let everybody know you know look we just we can't make the numbers meet nobody NASCAR puts on a show and it costs NASCAR X amount and they have camera people and they have whatever else. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's still even without, you know, so everybody suffers with no fans. Everybody has to adjust for pie with no fans, but at least explain the situation. You know, that would just make things so much easier and your teams would feel so much better um, because I feel like there's a point where some of your racers look at some of these other series and say, well, <laughs> you know, if this is how NASCAR is going to deal with me, maybe I go over and run with these people. It's it, because for the most part, NASCAR is a New England Bay series. They run a lot of the same tracks the other series do. The only difference between is, okay, we go to Wall or we go to a Swigger or we go to... S- you know, to to Jennerstown or wherever. Okay, they're, they're but it's basically the same cars. You know, and it's a lot costlier to run the wheel and tour. So, at what point? 
and I'm not suggesting that everybody just give up the door. I'm just saying, I again, putting my team owner hat on, at what point, because this is the time when I feel like NASCAR needs to include the teams the most, not hearing them doing that. So, you know, at what point do I decide there's other things I can do and other places I can go race my car? Um, and that's not good for anybody. I think, you know, th- th- it could be a lot better. And I'm not, again, I'm not blaming Jimmy Wilson because I understand the position Jimmy's in. He's He works for other people, you know, <laughs> and he can only do so much. So you just, the only thing you ask of Jimmy Wilson is give me the, the most honest response that you know. Tell me the truth as best you know it. And if that's what Jimmy does, Jimmy's doing his job. You know, that's a tough job to be in right now for for Jimmy because he isn't going to make the car owners happy no matter what he does. Am I correct? Bingo. There's not not all car owners are not going to be happy with one decision. Right. Uh, And I I think that's fair. Uh, I think that's normal. I think that goes for any modified tour. It's not just an NASCAR tour right now. Uh, and actually, it's a good time to switch gears to another Please. tour, uh, <laughs> the Tri-Track Modified Series. And okay. what they've got coming up uh, for their 2020-20 season. Obviously, their season also affected by COVID, just like every other race division in the world. Um, and they had originally planned on starting their season all the way back in May uh, at Monadnock. They had a race planned in Monadnock in May, Monadnock, uh, Claremont in May, and then by now they would have been getting ready and gearing up for Open Wheel Wednesday at Seekonk on July 1st. Those three races are wiped. Uh, Monadnock and Claremont postponed. No no new date as of now. Seekonk's Open Wheel Wednesday moved from July 1st to August 26th with hopes that by then uh, things are accessible in the world of somewhat of a gathering to get an Open Wheel Wednesday show in. Now, you know, I'm in the process, along with series officials, of figuring out where the first race is going to be. There's some ideas on the table. There's some tracks that are interested uh, but with no fans really anywhere in this region right now at a racetrack, the closest you're going to get, we'll talk about it in a second, is New Hampshire, where they had some races this weekend with no they fans. Did, yeah. uh, but that's not going to work for a sanctioned race for Tri-Track, where the purse is close to thirty grand. Yeah. Uh, that's not going to work for the Modified Tour, where the purse is seventy. If they reduce it, it might be forty or fifty. It's just not going to work with no fans. Yeah. Um, so an everlasting process there to try to figure out where Tri-Track is going to get their season rolling. The Modified Racing Series up here, quiet, nothing really from them at all, uh, so there's no updates there. You know, the next question from people are asking me, how does racing look in Connecticut this year? I don't know. The answer is I don't know yet. Um, it's June 9th as we record this. You're listening to it probably at least a day or two after. Um, so whatever, if you're listening to it on Thursday, it's June 11th. You probably don't have an answer by then. You're probably not going to have an answer right away. I know Stafford has, has sent a plan to the town to start racing with limited spectators in July. Are they going to get that approved? I don't know. Uh, and I don't think they know. And I think, Tom, that opens the door for the discussion we've had a lot of times. NASCAR wheel and modified tour races this season in this region are just not going to be possible. Tri-track races? Possible, because it's only a $30,000 purse. So limited fans in a back gate can probably cover a $30,000 purse. But a 70000 modified tour purse is just not going to happen. Yeah, it's like I said, the, the frustration I think we all feel you know, that we agree upon is that this this whole sort of, you know, this whole lockdown, this whole state's closed, you're not open, you can't have fans. 
you know, I think recent events have, have even if some of us won't say it, and I, cer- I certainly have, but and not everybody wants to be as vocal as me, um, and that's probably smart on their part because um, I probably shouldn't be saying everything I'm saying, but I'm just, I don't shy away from the truth. I mean, if you can, if you can hold a several thousand person protest, then you can put fans in the racetrack. And, you know, we've had an ever, we've had a growing feud now with the governor down here um, uh, over this situation in a speedway, as we talked about, I think last week, um, they've run three shows now, I believe, and all of them have fans. They took temperatures, they took information, and you fill out the form, whatever it is, and they let them in the gate. And um, it uh, it's become this sort of, well, if we can do this, why can't we do that? And it's it's really, you know, again, I don't know the atmosphere up there, what it's been like, but at some point... It, it, <laughs> You just got to be able to get back going again. And and I feel like, you know, the, the hard part is, is the municipalities, they're, 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 you know, they're just, they're killing the racetracks. And, and we, you know, we're at the point here in North Carolina where supposedly later today, Cooper's going to issue an announcement or an executive order that pertains specifically to racetracks. Now, how are you going to, how, how's that work? You know, um, so it's almost as if we're, we're going to just make tracks not have fans now because you know a couple tracks decided to do the right thing in my opinion and 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 a sheriff i i should point out that in elements county where where uh a speedway is the county sheriff refuses to obey the governor's order the county sheriff is completely on the side of the racetrack so we we you know you don't hear that a lot or see that a lot in in the big media coverage of this 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 track um, you know, something's got to give somewhere here because if it doesn't, we're going to start losing racetracks because they won't be able to survive and, and reopen in 21. And, you know, you know, the situation up there much better than, than I do. But, um, you know, I know down here, there's a couple that, and I know in New York, there were a couple of tracks I heard about the other week that just simply have said, we're not opening period. If we can't have fans. We're not opening. That's it. And, that hurts everybody. It hurts the businesses that cater to the drivers who race at those tracks, all of it. So, you know, at some point, I feel like the racing community is going to have to stand up and speak a little louder about all this because I don't feel like the governors care in some places, period. That's just my opinion. I'm not ascribing it to you, Kyle, or anyone else. You can speak for yourselves. My opinion is I don't think they care. And... um. I think COVID is a cover at this point. I, I just do. There may be some areas where it's legitimate, but I think it's a cover. And, you know, I think at some point the racing community is going to have to start to bark a little louder to fight for their place here because I can't, I don't know how a track owner is going to make any money this year in, in the Northeast region. Oswego is opening July 4th with fans, I, I, for what I'm hearing. Um, now, I don't know the difference between Oswego or New York and New England at this point. Again, you could speak better. But, man, um, you know, this this is not – you can't – this can't go on forever. At some point, you got to – you know, something's got to give. And, and um, it's frustrating, man. I think that – you know, that that is probably the thing that I think we can all agree on is we're just all frustrated right now because we feel like there's no real reason for what's going on to be going on. It, it – and yet we can't control it. 
Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there. Uh, and it, you know, there's a lot of questions um, that are coming here uh, to figure out what, what the future is going to look like. Uh, I mentioned, you know, New Hampshire reopening this this past week here. Yeah. Uh, with their 2020 season getting going Friday night, they had a Granite State Pro Stock Series race up at Claremont, won by Ray Christian the third. That race was provided live on Speed51.com through their pay-per-view service, uh, which has been good for short tracks to get their races on air. Absolutely. Um, over the last couple of months, uh, and good for Mike Parks and his Granite State team to get rolling. Talking to him up there. You know, he said, I don't really know what the future is going to look like. They're hoping to get fans in there by July based on the governor's orders. Those orders are not direct and concrete, so nothing's really, you know, up for grabs 100% on that yet. But what is he going to do going forward? I don't know. He doesn't know. Uh, but he goes once, runs an event. You know, Ray Christian wins it. It was a good show. Uh, and he gets through that one and now looks towards his future, which is unknown. Saturday and Sunday, White Mountain Motorsports Park gets in action this past weekend. Saturday, a local division show, big late model race for their regular 30-something cars in attendance there. And then Sunday, they run the Pro All-Star Series opener uh, at White Mountain, 2 o'clock. They broadcast it on Northeast Sports Network, a pay-per-view style. Did a pretty yep. good job. Uh, I was up there for all of these shows over the weekend. Good racing, good show at White Mountain, uh, and pass racing on Sunday. Nick Sweet winning. Travis Benjamin was strong. You know. You can look up the results if you're really, really interested in what happened up there, and I'm sure you could buy the pay-per-view uh, again if you want to watch it if you haven't bought it already. 15 bucks on Saturday, 25 on Sunday. It was 25 Friday for the Granite State. The question is, it's great to see that these racetracks are up and running. They've got a limit of 10 people per crew to come in. The question is going to be, how long is this going to last? Because a pay-per-view-style broadcast is not going to work all summer. So if these racetracks don't get fans, I'd be feared that they're not going to be able to make it through the summer without having to close the door. Yeah, and that's where um that that that's where I I think that uh you know, I I came from with the last little rant I just did. It's 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 you can only do pay-per-view just so long because it's a losing proposition. You cannot you you cannot pay a full purse and for at least for a bigger show um, of any, you know, like some of these touring series, you can probably run, you know, f front wheel drive cars and street stocks and your kind of Lodo show and maybe get away with that if you get enough people to watch it. But it's just, it's a losing proposition. You know, you are not going to make money and you, you, you're probably not going to break even either. Uh, because again, as we've discussed, a pay per view loses right out of the gate because, if I'm a family of four and I go and want to get in the grandstands, I buy four tickets. If I'm a family of four and I want to watch a pay-per-view, I have to pay one ticket price or one price. So you're losing money right off the gate in quantity of, of purchased uh, column tickets, passes, whatever. Um, and and then if you price it too high, nobody will buy it. So it's it's... It's it's just something that tracks or in series are trying to do, hoping that it's they only have to do it a couple times before, you know, common sense finally seeps back into the landscape and we can, you know, we can get uh, things going the right way again. Um, I don't know. I it is just it's it's hard for me to watch. Honestly, I never thought in, in my lifetime I'd ever be seeing anything like this, and and I I think we all kind of you know, understood it in the beginning and, and we're willing to give it time, but 
it's getting harder and harder looking around at what what's going on right now. It's just getting harder and harder to buy into that we actually need more time. And I think that's, you know, that's where, and in in, in, especially we start seeing other sports, other, you know, events, and they're kind of picking and choosing which events are allowed, which is what we've had here in North Carolina. You know, you can do this kind of a gathering, but you can't do that kind of a gathering, um, you know, because of COVID, and it makes no sense unless you think COVID only is, you know, sympathetic or, is, you know, wants to hit certain play. It just doesn't make any common sense. So, it's it's just a tough deal, man. I hope that I'm happy that that those series got off the ground, and and I'm thankful that that man. I just uh, looking around at the racing community and the way everybody's trying to pull together and trying to you know to almost support each other through it is is has been pretty darn cool. And um, you know, it really uh, I the thing I like most about this sport is the family aspect. You know, everybody's family. And, um, you know, it's, it's just hard to watch everybody kind of, uh, you know, I don't want to use the word suffering because, you know, I mean, if they're suffering, it's not because they can't go race the race cards because other things are bad in their life, which is different deal. But, um, just, just watching the, the struggle that we're having here and knowing that a lot of people put a lot of hard work into tracks and cars and whatever, and, and all of this is going on. I mean, I talked to a sponsor the other day that spent $350,000 on an NHRA sponsorship. They haven't run a race yet. Um, you know, and, and as he said, even if they run all the races, you know, and in some sort of a, you know, like NASCAR is doing, let's hurry up and get them all in, in a condensed time frame. He said, I'm still not going to get what I paid for because, you know, fans are no fans and there's certainly going to be less fans. And, you know, so it's, it's just not a, a good situation right now, but all we can do is go week to week, and try to do the best we can with what we're given. Right. Yeah. And that's the, the, the next point I was going to make is you're looking at racetracks up here in the new England region. Uh, and we'll close today, uh, with Seekonk and their reopening plan. Uh, they're, they're really the first racetrack in this region to drop a reopening plan, uh, that, that looks out further than just, you know, a practice session this week to get off the ground. This plan looks out months, uh, of what it's probably going to look like to get racing in Massachusetts. And, Let's be straight about it. Seekonk Speedway is the only racetrack in Massachusetts. So Mm -hmm. they're almost at a disadvantage against New Hampshire because New Hampshire's got eight to ten of them that can go to the governor and say, well, we've got eight businesses here that you're going to kill if you don't, you know, get the racetracks open. So from a logistical perspective, obviously Seekonk in a different situation is the only racetrack in the area. Uh, They continue to be the only racetrack in the area for for many, many years now, Uh, you know, since Riverside Park is gone, things like that. But what does that mean for Seekonk? It means this. They're going to do two weeks of private track rentals to get off the ground, uh, worrying about the safety of their you know, their patrons, two weeks of private track rental. Then they'll have two weeks of 50-car practice sessions uh, to kind of get those off the ground and get a, a camaraderie of cars together uh, at 50-car cap. And then hopefully July 10th, uh, Seekonk's going to be racing their Friday night cars with no fans in attendance. Now, that's not ideal. We've talked about the fact that no fans is not great for the facility. Right. Uh, for Seekonk, it works. The, the Friday divisions don't have a major purse involved, uh, so it's going to work. They'll be able to gain some revenue from it. No racetrack is going to open and start racing without fans if they're going to lose money. That's not feasible. That's not going to happen. It might happen for a week somewhere for somebody to see how it goes. It's not going to happen on a considerable basis. That Seekonk plan saying that Friday nights can start in July 
and their target date for Saturday night racing uh, is August 1st, and that will get them 8 to 10 Saturday night shows before it gets too cold up here to race. And I think, Tom, in the end, you know, I've been part of putting this plan together, part of putting it out. Uh, I think in the end, if we can get 8 to 10 races at some of these New England racetracks this year, that's a positive to me. It's better than what some of us thought was going to be nothing. Yeah. Uh, so I'll take my eight races. I'll be happy with it, and I'll, you know, skip into 2021 uh, and go after what will obviously be a lot more aggressive schedule than what we're going to be dealing with here in 2020. Boy, I bet you've learned a lot in the process of being part of that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and it, it brings up. Probably a lot, a lot of things of you didn't points. really want to learn. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of a lot of things that you know won't be mentioned on the yeah. podcast. No, uh, I wasn't trying you know. to. I was just making the point that you know you got a lot of lessons that you weren't really looking to learn through that process. I'm I'm sure. Yeah, there, uh, there's a lot of lessons you learn from a town level. Yeah, uh, from a state level, people think that these racetracks are easy to operate. Um, Believe me, God help me, it is not easy. No. Um, and especially in a time like this where, and they're done you know, that. it's basically a fight with the government yeah. um, yep. to get your business open. And, and a racetrack and is no different. Times, yeah. You know, it, it's our style of business, but it's no different than any other business out there that's fighting against their governor and their town officials to get their small business yep. open. A racetrack is a small business. I know we make money. I know we hold events of 10,000 people, but it's a small business. We don't do it daily. Uh, and I think people forget that. So from a racetrack perspective, unknown what's going to happen to a lot of these racetracks. New Hampshire is hoping to have fans in July. If they get fans, I'm sure there'll be some touring series events up there uh, with Tri-Track, Granite State, Pass. Uh, those guys are going to get racing in New Hampshire again. Uh, it might be New Hampshire might be the site uh, to race these kind of races until the end of July, barring there's some type of crazy spike in cases or some type of continued downward trend that right. forces the governors to open uh against what they had originally planned so it's going to be interesting to play all that out uh here over the next couple of weeks and interesting to see where we end up when we get cars on the track hopefully uh seaconk definitely going to get cars on the track here within the next week or so uh for practice sessions so it'd be nice to smell some race fuel five minutes from the house uh be happy to do that temperature check social distancing all that stuff going to happen with a face covering uh, going to be different, but going to be fun to get back to the racetrack and at least some type of normalcy here over the next couple of weeks. Absolutely, yeah, and uh, that's we're we're going to do our best to keep you up to date on what's happening each week here on Mainly Modifieds. We appreciate all of those who listen and all of you who listen and share. Uh, we need all the shares we can get. And oh, by the way, just to keep it in the front of your mind, uh, the easiest way to probably get the Mainly Modifieds uh podcast and all the other race chaser programming is simply to find your favorite podcast platform whether it's spotify or apple or google or wherever you normally get podcasts from and just hit the subscribe or the follow button so that you always know when the next show is out and uh we are our numbers on spotify have just gone through the roof over the last uh a uh, couple months here and we're excited about that and um spotify is a big deal now i guess i i'm still learning about all the various podcast platforms but it seems like spotify has kind of become the in thing i guess uh, but at any rate go to your favorite podcast platform wherever get you get music or podcasts from search for race chaser radio and we put the shows into the uh the feed as soon as 
Um, they premiere, or as soon as they happen, we have three live shows and two podcasts. This one is one of the podcasts. Inside Groove, our Super Modified podcast, is the other. That has been premiering on Fridays as of late, um, while there's no racing. And so, again, um, you know, whatever your fancy may be in terms of race chaser shows, whatever you like, uh, we try to, to do shows that cover a variety of different things from the local divisions here in the Carolinas to uh, NASCAR. And, and uh, I love Modifies and Super, so we have the two podcasts for exclusively for each of those, too. So, again, that's uh, you can find us easy there. You can also go straight to racechaseronline.com. Um, because we've got the feed there too. So again, as soon as it gets into the feed, it pops up there. Uh, and you can listen, you know, at three in the morning if that works for you. So, um, it's on demand. Okay. Kyle, thanks again, man. We, uh, enjoy the interview, um, and look forward to next week's, uh, show. Uh, <clears throat> we'll have hopefully another, uh, special guest and all the latest on the Jennerstown show and what's going to be going on in the world of New England Motorsports. And mainly modifieds. Until then, for Kyle Souza, I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Have a tremendous weekend. Be safe. So long. You've been listening to Mainly Modifieds, the show where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. The show is available on demand by searching Race Chaser Radio on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Music, and most other major podcast platforms. Visit RaceChaserMedia.com for more unique motorsports stories and radio content. And follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.